Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, November 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Saudi Aramco is dangling bonus payouts in an attempt to woo IPO investors. And Disney's profits sank last quarter as it geared up for the costly launch of its new streaming service. Plus, this weekend, Spain will hold its fourth election in four years. The FT's Daniel Dombey explains what we can expect when Spaniards head to the polls on Sunday. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Saudi Aramco has ambitious goals for its initial public offering, and now it's trying to sweeten the deal for potential investors, especially those outside of the kingdom. Bankers for the state oil group's IPO are trying to tempt shareholders with the possibility of bonus payouts. These would be in addition to Aramco's current minimum dividend pledge of $75 billion. This is according to a report for investors by Bank of America Merrill Lynch that was seen by the FT. Bank of America is one of several banks working on the deal. The bank values the company between $1.2 trillion and $2.3 trillion. And it said with an oil price of $60 a barrel, the additional dividend between 2020 and 2023 could average as much as $11.5 billion a year. That gets it to an annual total of $86.5 billion. Now, if oil averages $70 a barrel over the next four years, the total payout could crack the $100 billion mark. On Thursday, Brent crude was hovering around $62 a barrel. Disney's venture into the streaming business has proven to be costly. The company posted its earnings for the last quarter on Thursday, revealing that profits sank 28% from the same period last year. But at $1.07 a share, they still beat analyst forecasts. Disney is launching its streaming service, Disney Plus, next Tuesday. It will feature programming from its franchises such as Marvel, Pixar, and Star Wars for $7 a month. But the push into streaming is expensive. Disney's total cost in the quarter climbed 50% from a year ago to nearly $17 billion. Disney shares rose as much as 5.7% in after-hours trading, showing that investors were able to overlook the big spend on streaming. And in other news, Michael Bloomberg has taken his first official steps to enter the 2020 U.S. presidential race. The former Republican mayor of New York City is expected to submit the paperwork needed to appear on the Democratic primary ballot in Alabama. The state has an earlier filing deadline than other states. Mr. Bloomberg flirted with a run earlier in the year, but said he was dropping out of the race in March. Now, one advisor says Mr. Bloomberg is, quote, increasingly concerned that the current field of Democrats is not well positioned to beat Donald Trump. The S&P, the Nasdaq and the Dow Jones indices all closed at record highs on Thursday. That was after news that the U.S. and China might be getting closer to a trade truce. Yesterday, a Chinese government official said that Beijing and Washington agreed to remove some tariffs, quote, in phases. And the Bank of England has given the clearest signal yet that it could lower interest rates if economic growth keeps slowing. Yesterday, the bank cut its growth forecast to reflect a weaker global backdrop and the likely effects of the Brexit deal proposed by UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The bank's Monetary Policy Committee was split for the first time since June 2018, while it ended up keeping rates on hold at three-quarters of a percent, two members voted for an immediate cut. And here's a story you should know more about. 
Back in April, the leader of Spain's Socialist Workers' Party, Pedro Sánchez, faced the task of forming a new government. But by September, he had failed. It meant that the country would have to hold another general election, its second in six months and its fourth in four years. That election is on Sunday. The FT's Daniel Dombey explains why Spain keeps going to the polls and what we can expect this weekend. Well, there's a short answer and a long answer. The short answer is that Pedro Sanchez just couldn't get the majority in parliament he needed to form a new government. But the longer answer is that the Spanish system is kind of sort of broken. You've got two big old parties, the Socialist Party and the People's Party, the centre-right party, that between them have been in charge for almost all of the modern democratic period of 40-plus years. And there have been a host of new parties, some of them breaking away from them, that have made it much harder for those old parties to get a majority, but have not really succeeded in supplanting those old parties. And then if you add to that, there's the whole problem of Catalonia, really the most polarizing issue in Spanish politics, which makes things much more complicated because in the old days, Catalan politicians could put the party that almost had a majority over the top. These days, because the Catalonian issue is such a difficult one, that doesn't apply anymore. And Daniel, why does the Catalan issue hold so much weight in this election? When Mr. Sanchez basically gave up on attempts to form a government, I think he knew that the Catalan issue was coming down the pike. But perhaps he underestimated how much it was going to affect things. After nine Catalan separatist politicians were sentenced to periods of prison between nine and 13 years for their parts in an illegal referendum in 2017, there have been huge protests in Catalonia. There have been moments of violence. It's polarized politics in Spain between people who feel that there should be a tougher position from Madrid towards Catalan separatism and people who think that Catalan separatism and its calls for another referendum are justified. That's what's hung over everything else. Other issues, probably only one or two. The one that concerns some people is signs that the economy is slowing down. The economy is, has moderated from the red-hot growth of 3% or more that we saw a, while, a year or so ago. But claims that the economy is in crisis seem a little bit stretched. Do we have a sense of what might happen in this election? Like, What are the polls saying right now? Well, the polls are basically saying, get ready for more of the same. Mr. Sanchez's socialists got 29% last time round. The polls, if they're to believed, indicate that they may have lost a couple of points and get 27%. The People's Party got the worst result in its history last time round. It's probably going to improve three or four points. But those are numbers that don't point the way to any clear government. But the two really striking things in these polls, however, is a real increase in support, it seems, for the far-right party, Vox, which looks like it's set fair, perhaps, to become the third biggest force in Parliament, and a collapse in the support of a party that wanted to be the centre party of the Spanish politics, this party called Ciudadanos, or Citizens. So in that sense, what we get, I'm afraid, looks like a bit more fragmentation and quite possibly a lot more polarization. So if you're saying that we can expect a lot of the same out of this election, how does Spain actually go ahead and break out of the crisis? I don't think the problem is necessarily forming a government. It will be very hard to form a government on these numbers, but it may not be impossible just because I don't think anyone wants to bear the responsibility for holding the fifth election in five years. So there may be some kind of sort of deal in which enough opposition MPs, at the very least, abstain from a vote but will try and install whoever becomes prime minister rather than vote against it. But whether that government is stable 
whether that government has the numbers to get any kind of legislation through, and whether that government is the right sort of government to tamp down this polarization, to deal with a Spain in which the extreme right is on the rise, that's a very different question. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. We also had help from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.